Hello and welcome to Navigating Nursing. I am your host, Laura Whitehead, a registered adult nurse, a critical care nurse, qualified lecturer and fellow of the Higher Education Academy. I would like to welcome Francis Fernando, a Florence Nightingale Leadership Scholar, a former nurse consultant, the founding director of the Filipino Nurses Association UK and head of nursing for the Central London Community Healthcare Trust. Thank you so much for joining me today, Francis. No, thank you, Laura, for having me. Thank you. Really, really um, be happy to be here to share my experiences with your audience. Thank you. And Thank just you. to take you right back to the beginning, did you always know that you wanted to be a nurse? Uh, no, actually, Laura, I've, I've always wanted to be a doctor because I came from a family of doctors. So my uh, late grandfather, paternal grandfather, was a doctor in the U.S. Armed, armed Forces in the Far East. Oh, wow. During World War II, he was treating wounded soldiers in the uh, war front as an orthopedic consultant, orthopedic surgeon. So, you know, then, so I grew up seeing him treating patients in his clinic. So I've always wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my dad went into a different field. So I've always kind of know that I will be in the medical field, but due to financial constraints in the Philippines, I wasn't uh, able to study medicine. But my son is now studying medicine at the University of Birmingham. So my dreams are becoming a reality through him. They are. And also, on behalf of the nursing profession, we're very pleased you didn't become a doctor. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so can we just talk a little bit about your um, your current role as the head of nursing for Central London Community Healthcare Trust? Was head of nursing a role you always aspired to be or to do? It, yes. So it's a step forward towards my ultimate aim, which is to become a chief nurse in an NHS trust. Uh, so head of nursing is a new role for the Central London Community Healthcare NHS Trust. So I'm very honoured and privileged to be the first one to be offered this fantastic role, head of nursing. So I'm head of the nurses for all the abetted wards in the North Central Division. So I forget three wards at the moment. We had four. Uh, one had to be closed because now that the pandemic is easing off, mm. we don't need a, that ward to be open. But if we do need more capacity, we will be opening that 17 bedded ward. So I've got three wards at the moment. I will also be managing the walk-in centers. So at the moment, we closed one because of the pandemic. So we've only got the one at the Pinchley Memorial site. So it's head of the nurses, plus also uh, I've been recently told that I will be looking after the head of the therapists. So I'll be line managing the head of the therapist. So either the physiotherapist or an occupational therapist. So yes, so it's a very unique role. Transcends boundaries, uh, Laura. It's a senior role in the NHS. So some some, um, heads of nursing are at different bands than me. At the moment, I'm on band 8B, but some will be at band 8C. Even others will be 8D because they'll be the head of the whole division. But I'm not the head of the whole division. I'm the head of nursing for a certain clinical business unit, which is part of the whole division in the trust. I also um, deputize for my operational service manager or my CBU manager. But I'm also in charge of quality, the quality of care that um, patients receive in the division or in the bedded wards or units, plus also on the walk-in centers. And the quality, the head of quality is our divisional director of nursing and therapy. So he's sort of the highest nurse in the division. So I'm accountable to him, but I'm his uh, right-hand man, if you like, when it, when it comes to quality and patient safety. So I've got two hats on. Yeah, two the very big hats. <laughs> two very big hats on. Yeah, the operational one and also the quality and patient safety one. But, you know, I'm enjoying the challenge because I came into the post in the middle of a pandemic. 
Wow, last year, that must last have been November, so difficult. It is, it is. They think that I've been thrown at the deep end. Their words, not mine. Mm. But I, I, I'm the one who relinquished the challenge. I thrive on challenging situations. And, and I think um, a little bit of stress or moderate stress is good for me. Okay. you know it keeps me on my toes <laughs> well yeah i think it sounds very much like you're on your toes <laughs> so yeah yeah no, i'm very uh, very grateful as i said you know the, the staff are fantastic they've been through enough during the first wave and me coming as the head of nursing during the second wave also i've, I've seen the dedication and passion i've seen humanity as its best laura and previously you were a nurse consultant. So can yes. you just, out, it might be a role that a lot of the listeners haven't, haven't really heard of before. Can you just outline yeah. that role for me? Yes, of course. So uh, a nurse consultant, uh, I don't know whether people are aware of this, but they were started during the labor era in the 1990s, mid 1990s. So basically the aim is for the most senior and most experienced nurses, clinicians in the NHS are, um, are retained by the NHS, so they, they don't, we don't lose these very well-experienced nurses. So we will have different specialities, but the four main aims of the nurse consultant roles, number one will be education, training, and development, um, your leadership and management skills or qualities. Third one will be around um, patient safety and quality. And then the last one will be around service improvement or quality improvement. Uh, and also just education, research and training thrown into the mix of all those four main purposes of the nurse consultant role. So I was actually one of the youngest nurse consultants in the UK uh, because I became when I was actually 40. I was 40 years old. So when you look at the age profile of nurse consultants in the UK, they will be in the uh, either late 40s or early 50s. So being a four, nurse consultant at 40 years old is quite... Yeah, yeah, a bigger tip. Well, it's I'm quite challenging. Very, and I'm a lecturer and I'm I'm 29 and um, yeah. all the time I go into meetings or I go into things and less now we're on Zoom. I think Zoom helps, has helped me, but my age is the first thing that's mentioned. Are you sure you're not one of the students? Yes, um, yes. I, you yeah, look very young, but 29. I do. Yeah, I've got a good face else. cream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I do, I do think that, yeah, going into a role a lot younger than previously might have been. Also, I think it's a lot more common now, isn't it, for, mm. for nurses to be given those opportunities that, they might not have until a lot later on in their career. Definitely. And also it just shows that actually uh, times have moved on. We can now take on roles that are not traditionally uh, delivered by nurses before. You know, I'm a non-medical prescriber mm -hmm. since 2013, so I can prescribe medications for my patients to complete that whole patient journey. You know, I can assess patients, I can do physical examination, order some tests. This was part of my previous roles, not only as a nurse consultant, I also run my own clinic, so I see my own patients when I was a consultant nurse and when I was a clinical nurse specialist. Uh, I established a fracture liaison service in Salisbury at the back of my Florence Nightingale scholarship, travel scholarship. That was my first Florence Nightingale scholarship then in, in 2013. So a lot of things have evolved nowadays that you could actually say that we we have progressed so much in the, in the nursing profession. And I think the nurse, becoming a nurse now, I've just realized that actually I am... Um, um, I am destined to be a nurse, not a doctor. Yeah, you really were. And you've spoken about, you know, you've done a number of uh, Florence Nightingale scholarships. How have you found that that process and that learning development? I found it very um, humbling. You know, uh, as we know, Florence Nightingale is the uh, mother of nursing. You know, um, she epitomised, you know, what nursing is all about. The, her legacy lives on through her scholars and through, through the nurses, especially in the UK. 
Um, so I found out about the program in 2012 through, through my network. So uh, it's really very good to have networks, not only uh, locally, but regionally and nationally, because I would not be able to find these things out if not through this network, particular network, which is the Chief Nursing Officers um, Black and Asian Minority Ethnic Strategic Advisory Group. I know that we're not supposed to use BAME, but the name still stands as BAME Strategic Advisory Group, but they, we will be changing the name soon. But yeah, I only found out about these scholarships and other opportunities uh, out there free, you know, if you apply for it and if you really put your heart into it, uh, go through the process of being interviewed, uh, coming up with a uh, QI proposal or quality improvement proposal, all those things that actually it enhances your career progression. It gives you more insight of what's happening out there and the, the, the wider agenda and also the, the wider world. Because when you're working in one particular area, you're so engrossed in that particular uh, field that you, you don't even have a chance to look at the whole picture, what's happening in healthcare. Florence Nightingale Foundation gives you that opportunity because I had to travel to Oxford and Glasgow. They're, they're, they're laughing at me because they said, you could have traveled to the USA, somewhere in Australia. <laughs> and you you somewhere hot and sunny and you pick Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> I think Glasgow and Oxford services in the world actually are in Oxford and in Glasgow. They were pioneers in uh, prevention of fragility fractures, which are common in older patients. So I went to see how they established this fantastic uh, factor prevention services and I've learned so much and I brought back the learning to Salisbury and now the factor prevention source uh, in Salisbury the factor prevention service is a nurse-led clinic and it actually enhances the quality of life especially as you know Salisbury is a predominantly um, um, and uh, has older population isn't it because it's a, a retirement haven for older populations. So yeah, so they're being prevented from uh, sustaining hip fractures or any fractures due to, and that's because of the legacy of Florence Nightingale and because of the foundation scholarship. So, so that's my legacy that I'm living in Salisbury when I left there in 2014. So and I would advise all the nurses out there to really apply for it. And you're currently on a leadership scholar. How have, yes, you, found, yeah. how have you found the leadership programme? So the process is very robust. One of the lucky ones, uh, I, I will be awarded £10,000 to use for my own professional development. So for my leadership development. So I'm either choosing the Asbridge uh, online um, top managers programme or the Oxford one or the Harvard one because they cost within that money so within ten thousand pounds or less so i'll be choosing one of them three we haven't started the program yet they will announce officially on twitter and other social media and media outlets the, the successful scholars and i'm one of them the trust is already lined up to interview me as part oh, of the wow. prom teams yeah well i got in there quick didn't i <laughs> you did yeah <laughs> So yeah, and I'm very humbled again. I was really very thankful to uh, Professor Greta and Professor Gemma, CEO and the uh, chair of the foundation because they've really given me so much and it's, it's a blessing, you know, and I need to give back to my uh, communities what I've, what I've earned. So this will be one way of me giving back and I will be leading a quality improvement program for the trust, which is around pressure sore prevention wow. because I'm see we're seeing a lot of pressure sore uh, uh, coming up from the acute acute hospital being transferred to the community hospital. So my, my plan will be to work with the acute hospital 
and see whether we could reduce the prevalence of pressure ulcers because they could be debilitating for patients, unfortunately, and it cost us so much money. And you're also, I don't know how you fit all this in, um, you're also the founding director of the Filipino Nursing Associ- Nurses Association UK. Can you yeah. just tell me a bit about um, what you do within that role and what the, what the foundation is for? Yes, so I founded the Filipino Nurses Association uh, last year in the middle of a pandemic, um, Laura, because uh, there were, uh, you probably heard this in the news, the disproportionate amount of Filipino nurses and healthcare workers and even uh, care workers in the care home dying from COVID-19 for all sorts of reasons. There there wasn't any any clear uh, reasons to why, because in the Philippines, there were only 30, I say only 30 um, Filipino care workers who died due to COVID, but in here compared to the Philippines, we've got 75 already. And, you know, we're just at the end of the second wave. So we really don't know what the causes are. Uh, there are factors um, that, uh, that predispose us to, to catching COVID-19 and hence dying from it if we've got some comorbidities. But uh, research will um, hope, hopefully prove that. And um, we participated in one of the largest research in the world, but I will come to that in a minute. So basically, the Filipino Nurses Association was founded because of the need for Filipino nurses to have a voice nationally, regionally, and locally. Uh, we've always worked in the NHS since the 1950s. Mm-hmm. When I came to Salisbury in 2000, Laura, uh, there were already a community of Filipino nurses there, but they were retired. Okay. So they've been there since the 60s. And you would never know, especially in Salisbury, it's 99.9% yeah, white population, but they were nurses, Filipino nurses there. So they married British men, but they came here as student nurses oh, okay. to study and they were absorbed by the NHS. So that's the, and then they work in the mental mental health field rather than in the acute science uh, in Salisbury. So, you know, so they were already established there. So we're very lucky that we've got support from them. But the association itself really um, was founded on the need, uh, as I said. Uh, so we've got, we've set up a vision, we've got the statement, they're all on the website. Um, we've got our values. We now have more than 4,000 members nationally. Oh, wow. Yeah, there are 22,000 of us in the NHS uh, and 33,000 all in all in the whole of the UK, but obviously some of us are not working in the NHS. Mm-hmm. And we we are inclusive because we are representative of all the nurses in the UK. So we've got members from Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales and obviously different regions of England. Most of them are from the Southeast and London where the majority of Filipino nurses are working in the NHS. We also got members from the prison service, from the academia. We've got lecturers like yourself, nurse lecturers. We've got uh, uh, associate professors. We have uh, working those working in research as well uh, as members. So we've got an associate director for Bart's Health in Research. So she's one of our members. And so really our membership is very diverse. So we, we've achieved so much in less than a year, Laura, uh, I so would much. say, as a, as a, as a group. Uh, Three of our members, or one of them is an officer, um, was awarded um, a British Empire Medal for her work oh, wow. in the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's amazing. And so two of them, two of them won BEM and one won an OBE. Uh, so and then we've got so many other uh, awards. So um, I myself was nominated for the Unsung Hero Award by Story Terrace. I'm oh. only one of 25 finalists worldwide. Wow. Uh, they've announced the winner. So she's a 90-year-old lady from Texas who won the award but i'm one of the 25 finalists and That's my amazing. story will be immortalized in a book so i don't know when the book is coming out i probably i i suspect it will probably be coming out at the end of this pandemic second wave mm-hmm. of the pandemic but um yeah so that's just one of the 
um, achievements that we we have. I also wrote to Ruth May, our CNO, raising our groups and communities concerns. Uh, this was April last year, when uh, one by one you can see in the news that Filipinos nurses are dying from COVID-19. So um, we gathered as a group and then we wrote to her. I drafted the letter and then I finalized it, sent it to her. And she responded, bless her. So she was really very um, engaging. She had some discussions with us. So she met us virtually via Zoom. And uh, she promised that she will help us. And she did. She set up the, the bereavement line for Filipino uh, families and nurses or any healthcare workers. And also helped us to appoint um, a nurse advisor in her team, who is Filipino, uh, Jenny Cardia. And she's now being absorbed and she's now permanent part of uh, Ruth May's team. And she's the first Filipino nurse to be part of Ruth May's team. So they're now realizing actually the contribution, the vast contribution of Filipino nurses in the NHS and in the UK. Um, I think any nurse working anywhere, I've only ever worked in London, so I can only speak, yeah, but yeah. the amount of Filipino nurses working in every area that I've ever worked in yeah. has always been a, a massive contribution. So it's, a, it's yes. amazing that through your group, that has now been managed to be recognized Definitely. on a, a national and government level. Definitely, yeah. It's important that we are representative of the uh, staff that we are um, representing, you know, in the NHS. Yeah. So, so there are, as I said to you, 22,000 Filipino nurses in the NHS, but only 22 of us are senior leaders. So senior leaders are defined as an 8B and above. Mm -hmm. I'm an 8B, so I'm, I'm one of them, but uh, we have associate directors of nursing. We have associate director of research. We also have our first Filipino to be acting up as a director of nursing. So he's Edmund Tabay and he's based in Queen, Queen Elizabeth in Norfolk in Kingsland. Mm -hmm. So he's acting up uh, as, as a director of nursing. So he's the first one, but we need to do more. So that's why we're doing research as part of the Filipino Nurses Association, looking at the career progression and the barriers a two-career progression of Filipino nurses in the NHS. And NHS England, uh, I'm very much happy to say, is supporting us on this and um, all the other healthcare agencies and leaders, uh, including system leaders. So yeah, so a lot have been achieved. We even fundraise, uh, personally raised 17,000 pounds wow. to help the bereaved families. This is during the pandemic. Uh, last year, I managed to raise that money and uh, we work with the RCN Foundation to distribute this well, you know, the support, 17,000 pounds, but we raised around 22,000 all in all to support all the bereaved families uh, of my Filipino colleagues. So some of them managed to send their um, loved ones ashes at home in the mm -hmm. Philippines. Some of them just used the money uh, for cremation and for burial services. Most of them, most of those who died were very young as well, Laura, which is quite worrying. Mm -hmm. Very young. The youngest one was 23 years old. Wow, really young. Yeah, yeah. And his mother still cannot believe that he's gone now. But Not anyhow, yeah. So well, very it sounds young. like your association is helping so many people from from that very, I don't, but personable level. Uh, people that have been de directly affected by by the unfortunately high portion of deaths due to COVID nineteen, but then also on a yeah. national level. So what you've achieved in the last year. Well, it's phenomenal. And if anyone is listening that wants to join the association, I'll put the website and the information links within the, the bio of the of the podcast. So please do follow that and get in contact to join the association. So at the moment, uh, we are doing pastoral support for international nurses coming to the UK. Okay. So ongoing pastoral support. But it's very important that we are, if we're recruiting nurses from the Philippines, India and South Africa and the rest of the world, that they're provided with continuous pastoral support, especially in this pandemic. Mm. They're coming into a very... Uh, foreign environment to them, you know, new system of healthcare, 
And it's important that we continuously support them. And that's what FNA UK is doing, the Philippine Nurses Association. We are giving them free workshops uh, on leadership workshops. We're giving them free OSCE sessions facilitated by the OSCE um, trained facilitators. And also we are um, conducting free leader, um, interview skills workshop too for those who wanted to progress in their careers. They, they're going for an interview. We provide all of them. We work closely with the International Nurses Team and the International Nurses Diaspora Group, which has different nursing associations to it. And with the Florence Nightingale Foundation recently and the National Leadership Academy. So, you know, we're part of that bigger, wider group of people really making, uh, really wanting to make a difference for our international nurses so that they stay in the, within the NHS and so that we don't need to keep recruiting if we're losing them to the public sector or to the private yeah. sector or to other sectors. Throughout all of the different hats and the different roles that you're involved in, have you got any advice for anyone that wants to go into a leadership position or that has just started in one? Uh, no, that's a great, I would say, have a self-reflection, a deep dive, examine yourself really and reflect on what what is your ideal leader or how you want to be seen as a leader by your, by your team and by others. Uh, I would recommend a 360 feedback. I would recommend self-assessment to see where you are or do a SWOT analysis of your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, because I believe that some leaders are born leaders, but some, some don't realize that they have the qualities and abilities of becoming leaders until they, they, have, um, they are working in, in a position that entails them to do that, you know, to, to show those leadership qualities and skills. And I believe in my case, I was a bit of both. Uh, I always knew, uh, you know, because my grandfather was my role model then growing up. I've always known that, oh, I am a leader, but uh, I haven't fully uh, embraced it until I, I came into leadership positions. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather and my grandmother always said to me, if you're aspiring to, if you're aspiring for higher, uh, higher levels or higher achievement, aspire to be the best rather than just the second best has always been inculcated inculcated in me so that's why i said being a nurse consultant is yeah. you know is is one of the highlights of my career and now i'd like to push uh, push myself a bit further by becoming a chief nurse hopefully one of the uh, very few uh, filipino chief nurses in the uk i mentioned about edmund tabai already leadership so it's really i would say have that conversation with yourself others how they lead what's the your aspirations in the future so plan your career ahead. So I've got a five-year plan myself. In two years' time, I'm seeing myself as a deputy director of nursing, and then in five years to be a director of nursing. So that's my plan. And then also network. It's very important that you network outside of your normal uh, employer environment. I think that's really important. I think if you work in a certain speciality, so my background is critical care, you only really yeah. know people that work in critical care. It's a really yeah. small, narrow window where you're yeah. right by yeah. networking. And, and I've found through this podcast, I've met and talked to people that I would never have met in my day-to-day -day yeah. job, but there's so, so much to learn. There's so much to learn started. from them. And to yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's what I've learned when I joined the... Uh, Chief Nursing Officers National Group in 2012. It opened opportunities for me, you know, Florence Nightingale Foundation, the Bird Trust for Nursing, National Digital Academy, and so forth and so on. And continues, you know, I've grown my network regionally and uh, nationally too. So it's very important to network. Also look at some coaching and mentoring. So look, look for coaches who you think will challenge you, challenge you in a way that to bring the best out of you. You know, um, your coaches are, are there 
for a reason. So they will help you to progress and empower you rather than be your friends. If you like, they have to be your critical friend, friend, but a critical friend. Uh, it's important to embrace that and also look for diverse uh, diversity of coaches rather than just going to someone who looks like you. You know, you might benefit from someone who may be different. They they will have a different aspect in life. I've been coached by two white um, executives because I choose to. I don't want someone who looks like me. So I want that. I want to learn from their perspectives. You see, uh, and my one of my biggest role models or best role models was my director of nursing in Salisbury, Tracy Nata. So she probably doesn't know this, but <laughs> she was one Hello. who inspired me. <laughs> Hello, Tracy, wherever you are. I know she's retired now, but she inspired me because she gave me the opportunity to actually um, prove myself to others in Salisbury. Because um, there was a leadership course there run by Southampton University, supported by Salisbury. And out of the 20 participants, I was the only one who was not white. Wow. And she gave me that opportunity and I, she saw something in me. She must have seen something in me, a potential. Uh, and my manager, um, Colette Martindale, uh, who's now retired, but she still lives in Salisbury. So, yeah. So, yes. So broaden your horizons, get some coaches, uh, plan your career ahead, uh, but ensure that your role models are really uh, great role models um, and learn from the best and examine really yourself, whether you really wanted to be a leader or a follower. Uh, but I believe that everyone is born, uh, is has some leader, has leadership qualities or mm. are leaders in their own rights. You know, doesn't mean that because you're a healthcare support worker or you're a porter, you're not a leader. You can be a bit yeah. of both. I think yeah. in all of our roles, in all roles, you are you are in a leadership Leader. position, aren't you? Yes, definitely. Um, it might yeah, not be yeah. formally recognised. It might be, yeah, you might not be a chief director of nursing, but yeah, yeah. as a band five, as a healthcare sport worker, you're still you still have a lot to contribute, don't you? Definitely, definitely, and that's very important to acknowledge that and listen to your staff's concern, listen with fascination if they're talking to you about their, for example, personal life or they're, they're having difficulty coping because of the pandemic. With the lockdown, the health and well, their health and well-being is affected. It's important as leaders that we we support them uh, and show our compassion. But also, you can show your um, your vulnerabilities as well as a leader. So there was a colleague last week who's a matron. I work with her, and she said in a meeting with the trust board that as leaders, we shouldn't be showing our emotions and we shouldn't be seen as weak. They actually disagreed a little bit on that one yeah. because I said to her, I didn't say that to her during the meeting, but with the follow-up email, I said, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay mm -hmm. to say that I'm actually not feeling very well today as your leader, so I will have to go home. So what you're showing to your, to your um, staff or followers is that you are vulnerable, you are yeah. human, and that if you're not well, you're not continuing continuously going to work which will put yourself like unrealistic expectation aren't you they're yes. looking thinking oh well he Definitely. can manage it he's ill but yeah. he's here he's worked Definitely. seven days in a row and yeah, yeah. i think that's almost like the it's almost a negative competitive culture isn't it and Definitely. you're right saying yeah, that it's okay not to be okay Definitely, and you know especially in in male leaders they have this macho image that they're trying to protect but actually it's okay to break down in mm. front of your colleague staff nurse, a healthcare support worker, a cleaner or a porter or an admin. In my previous work as a matron, I've always confined to my uh, admin uh, clerk. I, I, found, I found that conversation with her very, very productive mm -hmm. that uh, we can open up with some issues that we are facing both together. You know, I'm the matron and she's the admin clerk, but we know we relate on that mm -hmm. uh, on different levels. So, uh, and it's important as leaders to be vulnerable and really um, just show to others that you're we're human beings at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, uh, 
but we need to role model the values that we have that we have uh, since you know since we were raised as children. You see, so be true to yourself, be true to your values, and you know if you see something that is not right, you know just like the announcement in the train station, do something about it. Don't just be a standby and let injustice passes you by. You have to do something about it. Yeah, so be a leader with integrity. I say with compassion and inclusivity. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Francis. It's been so lovely to hear about all of your work. And as I said earlier, I'll put all the information and the website and things um, in the link in the bio. So if anyone wants to join your association or find out more about the support that you offer, um, they can do so. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura.